Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to Killer Fun. I'm Christy. I'm Jackie. And we're so glad you're back with us today. Today, we are going to talk about Black Mirror, specifically the final episode of series. They call it series, but we would call it seasons. Season four, Black Museum, because it's a museum about all kinds of crime stuff. So Very, very crimey. Just like totally on point for us. But also... A little sci-fi, just oh, for me. Yeah. Oh, oh, no, I like the sci-fi. Yeah, I know, I yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. I know, I just wanted to be selfish for a moment. <laughs> That's fine, you can be selfish all you like. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it, you know, this is, it's it's really good. I'm not going to lie, it's really good, but it is really, really dark. It is absolutely something you should not watch with your children. Okay, so I thought, I'm in the living room, and I have this big TV on the wall, and I'm thinking... I wonder if somebody's going to hear this and, you know, come out and sneak out and see it. And I kept looking over my shoulders because you're right. They should not see this. No. There's some language. It's not even because of the language. No, it's not. It's just, it's very, there's some sexual content, but moreover, it's just a little disturbing. Maybe more than a little. You know, I know that it's disturbing in my head. But it's still really good, right? I loved it. I absolutely loved it, and I was kind of, I was rooting for her, uh-huh. our main character who we're going to talk about. Oh, just, I just, yeah. yeah. So it starts off. Now, by the way, spoiler alert. This whole episode's going to be a spoiler alert for you. Yeah, so if you haven't watched it, hit pause, go watch it, come back. <laughs> yeah, or decide you don't care if it's spoiled for you. Fair. You know, we're not going to tell you all the intricacies that happen because we kind of talk around things here. We are inspired into our research by the things that we watch to kind of learn more about it and inform what we're talking about and how it connects, kind of how the real world connects with our crime entertainment. So, right. So there's some details left that you yeah. might listen there's, to us and still want to go watch it. There, there'll be plenty. <laughs> there'll be plenty because we're not going to be able to talk about everything. Oh, no. I mean, this episode was over an hour long. We'd have to have a part two series yeah, to talk no, about everything. We, it's pretty dark. I don't know that I want to talk about it for two episodes. I liked it. <laughs> but as with all of Black Mirror things, we can watch like one or two episodes and then we got to give it a break for a while because... So I have to admit, this was the first episode I've seen. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to binge it. Oh, really? I may be a bad person. No, you're not a bad person. <laughs> you just maybe have a higher tolerance for it. Or I'm just a darker person. <laughs> <laughs> your dark, dark soul. That's why we like you. You like it. It's the color. You like your television shows, the color of your coffee. Black. Black. You would love Black Mirror then. If you uh-huh. liked this episode, you will like all of the others. And they're, so, they're all so different. It's, you know, it's an anthology series. So... That's, Every episode is different, though you'll sometimes see the same actors reappear, 
But they're in different roles. It's kind of like, um, oh, what's that horror one that had Lady Gaga in it for a American while? Horror? Yes. It's yeah. kind of like that. I want to watch more of them. I, I do like the idea that the stories are different, that it's an anthology of short stories yes. rather than like a long story. Um, I don't often read a lot of short story compilations, um, but Stephen King did put out a few, and I just... I think that they're fun. Yeah. I think there's a lot to be done in a short story. And those authors and writers who can make something so deep and so intricate in such a short amount of time, that is a talent. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just like a little snippet into their life. Whereas in a book or a movie or a series, you kind of get a big sense of somebody's life usually. Like this is just like the best thing that ever happened to them, or in the case of Black Mirror, the worst thing that ever happened to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you get to see this little bit of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit of a snapshot. Right. I like that idea. So we mm-hmm. see a woman in a car driving by herself. She doesn't have any luggage. It's an older car. She's dressed very generally, jeans and a t-shirt with nothing on it. Right. As in the beginning, it's like, well, what time period are yeah, they in? Exactly. She's singing a song from the 70s. She's driving through the desert. Yeah. She pulls over to a gas station that's obviously closed. And that's your first clue as to what decade, because the gas yeah. station is obviously modern, right? But shut down and run down. Uh-huh. So I'm thinking initially, okay, um, what are we trying to say? Are we apocalyptic? But then... Then she does it, and I was like, oh, uh-huh. that's awesome. The gas station is shut down because these solar panels charge your car. Uh-huh. Now it takes three hours. Yeah. But Which, I, I, I wow. don't know why they wouldn't be on the top of the car, but it's an older car, so maybe it's a retrofit. Right, like it can't drive and charge at the same time. Right. Yeah. Which, fine. Whatever. Really cool. All right, so she's driving through before, before she even gets to where she's charging her car. She's driving through the desert. And it reminded me of when I was a kid because we would drive from Texas to California where we had family and visit. And there was between El Paso and Tucson, every, I don't know, there's hundreds of them, billboards oh, for right. The Thing. Yes, The Thing. The Thing. I've seen these. Yeah, yes. Have you ever stopped and seen The Thing? No. Oh, Okay, so my parents had stopped and seen the thing with my brother years and years earlier. He's much older than I am. And it was had to have been when it was fairly newly put out that they saw the thing. They were driving from Texas. They lived in Austin at the time out to California to see family. And they'd stopped and seen the thing with my brother. And I said, well, I want to see the thing. And they're like, Christy, spoiler alert. It's a mummy, and it's probably fake. And <laughs> that's I said, the thing? "That's the thing." And I said, "I don't care. I want to see it. <laughs> I've, been, I've seen two hundred billboards over the past three hundred and eighteen miles. I want to see the thing." Yes, you've invested in this. I, I have. <laughs> I have. And this was oh, I was a teenager when we finally stopped. We had done this trip many times when I was a kid. Many, many times when I was a kid. And my parents had never stopped. And they had finally stopped because we needed gas and to go to the bathroom. And they have a Dairy Queen. Whoa. I know. So So I'm like, well, I don't know why we didn't stop and go to the bathroom and get gas and eat at the Dairy Queen before now. But whatever. (laughs) 
So we stop and I'm like, I really want to see the thing. And they're like, Christy, it's going to rain. I want to see the thing. I think it was 75 cents at that that's time it? to see the thing. Oh, come on. Now that's like taco money in my car. <laughs> well, I mean, I paid for it myself. I mean, I had my own money. Right. My own vacation but money. That's a deal. My parents were like, we're not paying 75 cents to see the thing. We've already seen the thing. We know what the thing is. Oh, like, what they meant was we're not paying our time to go see the thing. <laughs> well, they had to wait for me. Yeah. So I said, I'm going to go see the thing. So it used to be that you would pay your money to see the thing and you'd go through these doors and it was all outside. And there was, I think, three buildings. I don't know. It's been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I was a pretty young teenager. It's been a, it's been a minute since I was there. I think there were three, and they were like open-air barns. Okay. And you walked on a path that had painted yellow footprints on it, and you'd walk through these buildings, and they had different sorts of exhibits, kind of. So you'd see, like, there was a jackalope and some other weird taxidermy sort of fantastical creatures. (laughs) And then they had, like, farming equipment. Okay. I I don't know why. Like, on display. And then they had, like, old cars. Well, no, that's kind of cool. Yeah, which, you know, kind of interesting. One of the old cars did have Hitler in it. (laughs) It was a Rolls Royce with Hitler in it, which is kind of weird. But Okay. Yeah, okay. (laughs) But, okay, so they were all open. And so they were really hard to keep clean and everything would get dusty. And then you get to the last one and you kind of look down in this kind of pit and there was the thing. Very underwhelming. The other stuff was actually kind of more interesting. So keep in mind, I'm going through this and I'm basically sprinting from building to building because the sky is dark and about to open up. And I don't want to get caught in the rain because I know my parents are going to be really annoyed with me if I get in back into our RV all wet. Right. Because I had to see the thing. So I'm kind of sprinting and looking through this stuff, and I thought it was interesting, thinking, man, I wish I could stay more, but I'm the only one. Here I am, like, 13 years old. Right. I'm the only one out here. Who knows? Anybody could have been hiding in one of those cars. I could be dead. That's creepy. I'm, like... I did. It's like you were at the Black Museum. It was a little bit like I was at the Black Museum, but most of the stuff was fake. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now granted, all of the stuff in the Black Museum was actually fictional, right. but it was being put in the world of the story. It was true it in was the world true. of the story. It was true. So in the, the world. thing was a mummy. Yeah, like like maybe a fake mummy. So what did they say that it was like as a, a mummy? Just a mummy, like not a particular mummy. Yeah remember oh that's interesting i did i don't remember it having a particular story well they have since redone it it has been updated and is now all enclosed so that they can keep it clean and the thing is still the last thing you see before you leave the thing mystery of the desert okay (laughs) now for five dollars a person or If it's a family, $10 for the entire family, you can go through the quote-unquote museum (laughs) and view all of their things. They've taken it in a direction. (laughs) 
So they said, what if there were aliens? And we have, they built a whole story about what if they were aliens? And the other guy that was helping redo it said, what if there were dinosaurs? And so now there's aliens riding mind-controlled dinosaurs (laughs) all over the museum. And and every conspiracy theory that you can ever think of is attributed (laughs) to these aliens riding dinosaurs and fighting over control of the Earth. Almost all of the relics that they had in these open-air barns that I saw back in the early 90s are still there. They've reutilized as many as they can. Hitler is no longer in the Rolls-Royce. Now it's Winston Churchill. Oh, cheers. But there's a a whole conspiracy wall. Everything from Stonehenge to the JFK assassination are attributed to the aliens. It's like Ancient Aliens, that show. It is like Ancient Aliens, except way, way campier. (laughs) If you can imagine that. (laughs) Ancient Aliens is pretty campy. Wow. So if you're ever on I-10 out in the desert, there's nothing else to do, really. Mm-mm. Well, there was one other thing out there that I saw in the last 10 years. Okay. Because that was my last road trip, and it was a, a, a tiger. Oh, that must not have been there. But I think also I was... then the tiger died. Well, so sure. I think it was short-lived. Because oh, tigers tiger. in the desert... I don't know. I, I don't. But that was the only other thing I've ever seen kind of out there. It was like the thing. <laughs> and then there was like this one stop with the little store that was like a mini Bucky's and it uh-huh. had like a, a tiger. Oh, that's sad. It was sad. Oh. But I did buy an absolutely adorable bracelet there. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> Evidently, the gift shop at the thing is quite good. No. <laughs> so. Now, I haven't taken a road trip that direction in a long time. I've only last summer was able to talk my husband into a road trip. Yeah. And it was, well, I didn't even talk him into it. It was kind of his idea. Oh. And, which was good. It went fine. We went to Florida and it was fantastic. Well, that drive is kind of nicer. Well, it it is because there's the Gulf of Mexico on one side of you and civilization. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When when you drive east, you drive to stuff. When you drive west, you drive through a bunch of nothing before you get anywhere. Right. It's kind of, well, it really is the desert. I mean, it's the desert in all its levels and metaphors. Yeah. Yeah. But when you drive east, you're like, oh, look, pine trees. Uh And then you get these beautiful lined highways full of pine trees. Exactly. And you go over a swamp. Oh, I love the bridge. I love love the bridge, too. It's, like, super creepy. And And there's, like, really cool places to stop down there. uh If you get off and then you can do the swamp tours, like the glass bottom boat kind of stuff. And yum, yum, yum crawfish. Uh See, now that's a wavy. We should take a road trip one day. Killer fun on the road. Yes. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. I would love that. All right. But we don't have to stop and see the thing. <laughs> so she go, she goes up to this building. It's, this, it's the Black Museum. It's, you know, kind of a nondescript building. 
It's got a big flashy sign, which is actually designed quite nicely. It like, is. It's very mm-hmm. retro. Mm-hmm, but like in a really nice, neat, clean way. Mm-hmm. It's not all like creepy retro, just like cool retro. Yeah. And so she goes to go inside, and it says tour start at 11. I guess it must be a little before 11. Because she checks her watch, and then she starts she waiting. She checks her watch, and she waits, and she kind of walks around a little bit. And finally, a man comes to the door and lets her in and, you know, makes her walk through a... Metal detector. Metal detector, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he checks her bag. Yeah. Like, he takes her bag and gets everything out. Yeah, and looks at everything. Uh-huh. Which I was like, hmm, that's interesting. What is in here that they're so concerned about? I Obviously wonder what he was looking stuff. for. But yeah. he, he takes her phone and he opens it, which is the, it's the folding screen. Yeah, I, I don't even think it was a phone. I think it was a computer because she called it fun size. He says, oh, look at this. This one's small. And she said, yeah, it's fun size. Yeah. I don't know. So I kind of got the impression that it was more than just a phone. Maybe so. It was. It kind of looked like the new ones that um, Samsung is revealing. Because Samsung has a folding screen now. Mm. It's hitting the market not too, too long Mm. in the future. But there's a couple kinds. There's the kind that has a screen on each side. And uh-huh. so you fold it and you can use it as phone or you can open it up and have a double-sided screen. And so you can have like the whole thing. But now they've got one that literally the screen folds. Oh, that's weird. Okay. Really crazy. Yeah. So they do all this and she tells him her name is Nish. She's got a British accent. She's darling. Her name is Nish. I was like, Nish? What kind of name is Nish? <laughs> Not to be, like, judgmental, <laughs> but it's a name I haven't heard before, so I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, so where does so, this come from? I went and looked at Urban Dictionary. Oh! this I couldn't find, like, anything good on, like, a baby name website. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought, well, what does Urban Dictionary have to say about it? The top definition from 2008 means nothing, literally. What did you get for Christmas? Nish. Gotcha. Okay. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. Her name is nothing. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. What does that tell us about her character? I think it reveals something. It does. So there's a little more. It might be a name for a man, a mysterious individual who reveals little about himself. No one really knows who he is. A definition from 2014. Okay. Far preceding this, because I think that... That makes a difference. Also could be a name for a girl who is extremely intelligent and funny. Mm. One who likes video games. Mm. Mm. Again, this reveals something to us about her. Also, Anish. Now, this one was put in, I think, after this episode was released. So, 2018, in July of 2018. Someone who hangs back and baits a team while they are fighting enemies in a video game. And then they peek in and mop up the last of the kills after everybody else is dead. So, like, they let everybody else do the work. And then they come in and get, like, the glory at the end. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So I just thought, like, maybe that's a little revealing to I think it is. I think it absolutely reveals a little bit about her anonymity and her delightfulness because mm-hmm. she is. She's got an interesting personality revealed yes. right in the beginning. And she's she's pretty. She's techie. 
Yeah. She's and, cool. Yeah, she's cool. I would want to hang out with her. Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. Then I thought Rolo was an interesting name, too. Right. And It's um, a candy. It's candy. <laughs> it's also a euphemism, a long-held euphemism for male genitalia. So I have another podcast, a Prince podcast, and we were listening to an album by the time, and they referred to Don't You Want to See My Rolo Baby? Yes. Yeah, because he's inviting her to partake of his genitalia. And um, so, you know, a shortened version of Richard is also, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, a name Mm -hmm. that's used for that. So if you call somebody a jerk, you might also use the term dick, which might also refer to genitalia. So I thought that was kind of an interesting way to tell us right from the beginning that this guy is a jerk. Yeah. I Were did you not saying, catch this. Yeah. I was like, Rolo, that, it's got to have some meaning. Well, because it's unusual. It is unusual, but yeah. I immediately went to candy. And, and you, you knew better. You had heard it elsewhere. Oh, and yes. that is not a term that I really have heard often. I think it is a urban and ethnic term, typically. Yeah. So it's, I can see how you being Georgia. Oh, from Atlanta, though. I'm not yeah. out from the sticks. Yeah, no, not, yeah. But I can see how, like, growing up, that wouldn't have been something you'd heard. It, growing up, it, I live in a culturally diverse area and have always, mm-hmm. and growing up, this is not something that I typically heard. Yeah. So, I yeah. only knew about it because we recently covered that on a, yeah you know, something else. Then we see that there's all this stuff, there's all these oddities in this museum having to do with crime and we end up with three stories yes and i love that he tells the stories he's like kind of a narrator yes it makes it more fun yes and they're all personal to rollo which i thought was kind of interesting i know and right off i was like what okay Uh this is going somewhere because this isn't a guy who's just collecting stuff this is on display his own Life and so he's like he's like the curator of the KGB museum where he, he collected all of his own things. If you don't know what we're talking about, go listen to the episode. A code name: dangerous, pretty dangerous. That's the name of the episode. <laughs> if yes. you want to know why it's called that, go listen to it because it was good. Go listen to it, <laughs> and you'll hear all about the KGB friend. Uh huh. Yeah. The yeah. So I thought this guy kind of reminded me of. The, that guy. Except this guy seems way nicer. Well, this guy's... No. No, I, I disagree. I don't know. I, I felt think... like this guy, if you walked in and you're at the museum, he's going to tell you stories where his KGB man is like a little bit more... What's the right word that's not going to get me shot? <laughs> I don't know. Hmm. I digress. I digress. I digress. So he starts telling a story about this piece of headgear that we see. So it was a a doctor who had an addiction to pain. Basically, he gets some kind of implant put in his head so that he can feel one another's pain. That story was actually based on a short story by Penn Gillette. Yes, I uh, saw that they credit Penn that. And Teller. Yes, that's how I went looking for it because I was like, wait, a pinch of butt. So I don't normally really watch the credits all that much, 
But, and on Netflix, sometimes it can be difficult to watch the credits, especially on a Netflix original show, because they're ready to start the next one for you pretty quickly. Yeah. But because this was the final episode, it didn't roll into the next one automatically, and I was still making notes, and I was like, I rewound it and looked at it again. (laughs) Had to have go have a look. So... It, the Pain Addict was the name of the short story. Penn Gillette came up with it because he was in a Spanish hospital in 1981. And because there was a language barrier, his diagnosis was delayed. Okay. Yeah. So he said, wouldn't it be cool if the doctor could just feel what I feel and then know how to treat me? I have thought about this so many times. Really? I have. It never occurred to me. The reason I've thought about it is because I think as a creative person, I tend to use different language Mm -hmm. than maybe what might be listed in a textbook. So if I go in and I describe a pain that's been happening, so I definitely went in for a pain that I had several years ago, Mm -hmm. and I don't think I described it well because it took a long time for everything to kind of settle in and for a doctor to figure it out. Um, Because I think I went in and I was using these words that just didn't ring a bell for them, Mm -hmm. you know, because it wasn't a textbook. It wasn't like, hey, these are the symptoms. I don't think I nailed one of those checklist symptoms. Because I use different language. And so when I describe it, I'm a lot more, I don't know, woohoo about it. Uh And so I I thought, well, if he could just feel it, he would know. Uh He would know. And it turned out to be scar tissue. So simple. So simple. But it took another doctor actually doing surgery and finding the scar tissue and then coming in and going, hey, by the way, blah, 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 if you might have pain here. Uh And I thought, oh. Mystery solved. Uh-huh. Thank you. Yeah, it's too bad you had to have uh, surgery to figure it out. Well, it has been to have a busted appendix, oh. so they happened to find it accidentally. But um, oh. but it solved kind of the mystery. Right. And so if I had been able to describe it better, maybe I'd gotten maybe. a better diagnosis. Mm. But maybe if the doctor could just feel it, he might go, oh, I know oh, what that is. I know what that is. Yes. What I thought was interesting about the story was that he wasn't addicted to pain before the implant. No. This is something that happened Afterwards, Yes. And I thought that was really interesting. So the short story, they went to put it in a book that Penn and Teller had put together with short stories. And the editors told them, it's too dark. (laughs) So the showrunner of Black Mirror knows pen somehow Mm -hmm. and they were talking about it and they decided to go ahead and use the story here now the art one article that i had said it hadn't been published anywhere but actually it has and i found a copy of it (gasps) and i'm gonna put that on our social media yay so if you want to find us on social media you can do that at killer fun pod on twitter Killer Fun Podcast, the intersection of crime and entertainment on Facebook, or you can send me an email, killerfunpodcast at gmail.com. So that kind of got me thinking about implants in the brain. Yeah, because that's what the doctor had. That's how he was able to feel the pain of other people was he had this implant in his brain. So in 2016, the University of Pittsburgh did a surgery on a gentleman who had had an accident when he was 18 and he was paralyzed from the shoulders down. 
And so they put like electrodes in his head. His name was Nathan Copeland. They put these electrodes in his head and hooked him up to a prosthetic arm. Okay. And he could feel sort of sensations from this prosthetic arm because it was connected to his brain. Copeland said, I can feel just about every finger. It's a weird sensation. Sometimes it feels electrical and sometimes it's pressure. But for the most part, I can tell most of the fingers with definite precision. It feels like my fingers are getting touched or pushed. So even though it was a prosthetic arm, he could, it felt like his own arm because it was into his brain in the right spot. That's like creepy. Yeah. Yeah. But cool. It is cool, but kind of creepy. Okay. It gets better. Oh, no. (laughs) Okay. Um, (laughs) They did, they wrote the paper after six months of Copeland having the implants in his brain, but 17 months. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. conditions apply. See website for details. Months later, he still had good feeling, and they wanted to keep checking because they wanted to see if the connections would degrade over time, and it does not seem like that that's what happened. So that was in 2016 that this article was written. So it was mid-2014, probably, late 2014, when he actually had this done. Well, in 2018, April of last year, I found an article that talks about the California Institute of Technology, and they were able to bring some natural sensation back to a man's, a paralyzed man's arm using electrodes implanted in the brain. See, that seems less creepy. I think it's the prosthetic arm thing that kind of throws me off. Well, and I think the idea was if, because they weren't sure how to reconnect the nerves from the brain to the arm. So connecting the brain to a prosthetic arm gave them a bit, one less hurdle to overcome. And the idea behind that was that if somebody had lost an uh, appendage, then they could figure out how to make that appendage feel more normal. Yeah, I suppose that makes sense. Yeah. So that was kind of where they were going with that research. This might be one of those things where I think the end user, when all of this is all flushed out, it's going to be really cool, but I would not want to be one of the early ones. Right. Well, and I, I mean... The early ones creep me out. I don't know. Oh, really? See, and I feel like here's this guy. He's not that he's useless by any means because disabled people or differently abled people are absolutely not useless, but he's not able to 
have a usefulness in the way that a lot of people would consider themselves to be useful. So by being a quote unquote guinea pig and helping them figure out this technology, he's able to contribute in an additional way to the way he already does. Totally makes sense. Yeah. Another man, a 32-year-old man who'd become paralyzed also from the shoulders down after a spinal injury, had 96 electrodes surgically implanted in part of his brain that controls bodily sensation. And throughout the trial, they were able to have natural sensations like the body moving through space and feelings on the skin, which were not things that the University of Pittsburgh were able to effectively replicate. Right. They're, those were more of electrical sensations, and his these were more natural sensations. That is so interesting. Yep. Richard Anderson was the senior researcher and a professor of neuroscience at Caltech who was in charge of this, and he said we could, at some locations, switch between a sense of touch and a sense of position. So that means we can begin to explore producing a more complicated sense of sensation. Next, we'll attempt to demonstrate whether the simulation actually helps the brain control a prosthetic limb. Wow. How cool is that? It's really cool stuff. As weird and troubling as the pain addict doctor was, led me to some pretty interesting research, which is a little weird and a little troubling, but also really cool. It is really cool. Yeah. I, I can't imagine that the addiction of pain would, would be something that could happen if that was Oh, a I think that that's something that absolutely does happen. True thing. You yeah. know, um, on the other hand, it, it, to be able to feel what another person feels and... Have you ever seen those ones for the the try guys where they try things? Oh, are they YouTube people? <laughs> yes, and they go and they try things like um, like childbirth pains. And oh, things. I saw that one. Yes, and they hook them up to the machines and it stimulates the pain. And to watch them like go through all of that, or or one of them did a few things like they tried wearing you know, prosthetic Hmm. bras and such to simulate being a woman, but also other things like being a model and what it feels like to be retouched. You know, like they did a photo shoot and then had them retouched to perfection the way that women are to see how the guys felt about it. No, probably not good. No, they were like, that's horrible. Like they couldn't stand it. Anyway, I digress again, but it was really interesting to watch them feel the pain. And so they can do some of that now, but to have an implant like that and be able to feel something live in action. Yeah, where, it where is, sensation wasn't prior. It is. It's pretty amazing. I think the addiction really says more about who that doctor really was oh. than it does about the, the idea itself, you know? Yes. Agreed. Agreed. So then we move on. Then we have a a passenger situation where we see this little monkey and you learn that uh, people can be downloaded, their consciousness downloaded, basically, into the cloud, (laughs) so to speak. (laughs) This is where I had a little trouble. (laughs) Oh, you had trouble with this one? Well, because I think a lot of shows are exploring this idea of downloading consciousness, and some do it really well, and some are really cheesy. Mm -hmm. And this one got a little cheesy for me. Well, okay. I can see that. (laughs) 
But I feel like the way they were talking about it, this was the er- early stages of development. Right. No, that's this true. particular. So, you know, anything might be cheesy in the early just stages of development. Like a it, prosthetic arm that feels. Yeah, exa- <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, basically, this man, his wife... Is her body is disabled, but her mind is still there. They figured out some way for her to be able to have some rudimentary contact with the outside world. Basically, she can light up a red or green light on her bedside table to give yes and no answers. And she's been this way for many years. So Rolo and his capacity at a hospital comes to this woman's husband and says, we could basically make her a passenger in your brain. All kinds of stuff happens. Go watch the episode. They mentioned that we only use 60% of our brains. The number I had always heard was 10%, but I'd also heard that that was a fallacy. Yes, I've heard the same thing. Yes, so I decided to go have a look. I'm like, 60%. Okay, well, that would leave 40% for a brain passenger. But that doesn't seem right to me. Long story short, the answer to do we only use 10% or 60% of our brain is no. No, we use a lot more of it. Brain tissue is metabolically very expensive. It takes a lot of energy to run it. It takes a lot of energy to keep it running It takes a lot of resources to scale and build and do it. So to massively underutilize an organ like a brain that's so metabolically expensive for our bodies is just waste. Evolution wouldn't have allowed that. Right. So what? no matter what you believe about evolution or not, I don't really care. But if you look at other species... They're using much more of their brain. It makes sense that we also would be using much more of our brain. Right. The idea came from an idea, a time where we couldn't really see. And so we got the impression that we were only using this much of it, but it was because we just didn't have the imaging. We didn't have the ability to see what was going on there. And so they finally did debunk that. We use our whole brain. Yes. Some more than others. Yes. <laughs> um, and there's been certainly amount of times where I have not used my frontal <laughs> cortex at all. Um, <laughs> So, you know, it happens, but we do use the whole brain. We just use it in ways that aren't the way we thought. Yeah, they're just that they're not necessarily obvious. So uh, Barry L. Beierstein of the Brain Behavior Laboratory at Simon Fraser University in Vancouver went searching for where did the 10% myth come from, and he can't pinpoint it exactly But he believes that it may have started with an American psychologist in the late 19th and early 20th century named William James. And really what he was talking about was we only use a small portion of our potential, not that we use a small portion of our brain. But people kind of grabbed onto it and used it as we're only using 10% of our brain. And imagine if we could use the other 90%, how smart we would be. And so it was really a very much a fallacy. And he goes on to talk about how a lot of what our brain is doing, it's doing unconsciously. At one point they called a large percentage of our cerebral hemisphere, the silent cortex, but really now they call it the association cortex 
and because it's doing things unconsciously, they thought it was doing nothing, and that's not true. It's right. doing lots of stuff. They couldn't see it at the time. Yeah. But yeah. now they understand. Yes. And really, it was a we lot of psychology. Better. Yeah, a lot of a lot of psychology experiments helped understand this because they started using, you know, a matter of elimination. You know, if we take out this portion of the rat's brain and then have him do something, what is he missing from when he had it? That kind of thing. Right. And so we were able to say, oh, hey, this portion of the brain really does work because we can't see it. We can't look at it. We can't see it on a waveform. But if it was removed... Yeah, they can't function properly. Right. Even a small amount of brain damage can cause some pretty big ramifications. Oh, huge. Yeah. So that tells you that whatever it is, even if we can't see exactly what that part of the brain is doing, damage to it causes a big change. So that got me thinking, because I know somebody with a large amount of brain damage, it kind of got me thinking about plasticity of the brain. And how interesting that is. And they used to think that their, your brain was pretty fixed after early childhood, that yes, you could learn things, but because they couldn't see the small, tiny, microscopic changes that were taking place in the brain, they thought it didn't change. And that's right. not at all true. That our brain basically changes our entire lives. It was in the 1960s that they started studying people who had strokes and realizing they were able to recover. So they were having brain damage, but other parts of their brain were able to adapt and take over at least some of the functionality that they lost. Yes. Really important, really great. We have 86 billion, approximately, neurons in our brain, and we can actually reorganize pathways and make new connections and even sometimes create new neurons in our brain basically our entire lives right and the individual ability to do that definitely varies yes it's not to say that because we can that every stroke system is gonna you know right have this major recovery not all the time but right but um, it's, it's possible, but it's possible. For, some, for some people well and so and like genetics these, has a lot to do with that it does and these medicines that we've developed to help the brain recover quickly so for instance if you have a stroke and you get to the hospital within a certain amount of time right. they give you a shot and that shot can can almost stop and reverse brain damage if you get there after that amount of time it's more permanent so right. we're able to help that plasticity like take off you which know? is super cool it is super cool there's some characteristics of neuroplasticity it can vary by age um it has a lot of different kinds of processes between neurons but also vascular cells and other technical organs Inside the brain can change. I'm not going to get into all that. but And then it can happen both because of damage to the brain and because we're learning. When you learn new things, that's why you've got all these uh, games that claim to make your brain stronger. I don't, there's not a lot of good scientific evidence that they work very well, but you know, if they're fun and they've got you thinking, then they, they're not hurting you. I was about to say, it can't hurt. It's not, <laughs> it's not hurting you. Um, and well, we think, oh, this is so cool. Uh, brain plasticity isn't always good. Yeah, yeah there are some adverse impacts of this. So if you've been affected by psychoactive substances, drugs basically, or you have a pathological condition, that can cause you to have a 
bad reaction to your brain's plasticity. Your brain's going to go ahead and cement in some bad... You learn to function in your dysfunction is what happens Yes, there. that's that's right. Which is how Mr. Pain Addict, because when he got the implant and then started feeling pain all the time, and then he started associating it with pleasure. Right. If you go watch the episode, you'll know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And uh, that association started to impact his ability to have, have yes. the pain receptors act appropriately, and then all of a sudden yeah. we have this, you I know, really, now we're chopping our own bodies up. Yeah. And I really liked how they related the two, those two stories Mm -hmm. that, you know, it was a brain implant with the doctor and it was a brain passenger with the husband and wife and how all that came to be. And then we come to the climax of this episode where there's a man whose consciousness has been collected. So those are these are all kind of leadings. Now we've got a collected consciousness that's residing outside of a human body. Right. So you can see how the research that he was involved with yeah. grew. And, yeah. And mm-hmm. how the stories are different, but all kind of still related. So a gentleman was convicted of a crime despite a fair amount of evidence that... Basically, he didn't do it, and he was, I thought it was a little shocking that they have the electric chair in the future. I wish it had been something a little different. Yeah, it felt like a reach. It it did, and I think it was a thematic story reach. We're going to go ahead and do this because it makes for an interesting thing. So they've collected this man's consciousness, and now they're people are able to come to the museum and electrocute his consciousness over and over and over again. And as the, oh, the awful, awful climax of the museum. It felt like a reach, but on the other hand, I can also see how, how maybe Rolo manipulated how he would die because Rolo goes in there and he manipulates this this gentleman while he yes. is incarcerated on death row right. and gives him a win-win situation, right. right? Either you get released and all is well, but if you get uh-huh. executed, then this will take care of your family. And so it gives the, the gentleman a bit of peace, it seems, that yeah. he doesn't care anymore because he knows his family's going to be okay. And that feels very manipulative, but then I can see, oh, what if Rolo impacted how he would be executed so that there would be that memory in his brain yes so that it would impact his ability to be on display mm-hmm. i think you're not wrong this is the first time that we're able to see rollo being a dishonest narrator correct for sure the other ones he may have been dishonest And we would have no way of knowing it. But this is the first time, this is the first story where we see Rolo telling Nish that the convicted murderer's family didn't care about him. That was not true because then we see his wife very upset. No, this is your soul. You can't do this. And he says, it doesn't matter. I just want you to be taken care of. It's not really my soul. It's just a computer program, basically. Yeah. yeah, which is interesting that we see it in the flashback. Yeah. Because the narrator is telling it, and the flashbacks always kind of go with the narrator. And this is the first time that the flashback doesn't match well, the narrator and that And I think that was our first clue that Nish was more than what she seemed. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of got me thinking about 
uh, wrongful convictions of people on death row. So I didn't do a lot of it, but I found this one because this gentleman was executed in March of 2018. Carlton Michael Gary. He was convicted in 1986, had to go through many appeals processes to finally be executed in March of 2018. And there was evidently some substantial evidence that suggested he didn't do the crimes for which he was convicted. They said he was the stalking strangler. And in the initial trial, they charged him with three rapes and murders. But all of the evidence that they presented was for other murders, not the three that he was being tried for. What? They said they all had to be done by the same person and that these three murders were the only ones where they could quote unquote prove that he'd been there, but they didn't have any evidence and blah, blah, blah. So the most damning evidence was that there was a witness who very, in very dramatic fashion pointed to Mr. Gary and identified him as the person who had raped her and tied a stocking around her neck. But there was a police statement that was withheld from the defense that said that she had been asleep and her room was dark and she actually couldn't identify it. Post-conviction, once DNA testing became a thing, they actually were able to exclude Gary from some of the crimes. And evidently that didn't make a difference because he requested additional DNA testing. They were able to exclude him in one but the evidence had been contaminated and was rendered untestable in the other cases. And he asked that it be tested. They said, nope. Then they found, again, post-conviction, that the police had made a mold of a bite mark in one of the victims and had consulted a forensic ondinologist, which I didn't, I mean, I guess I knew that there were dentists who would look at forensic stuff. I didn't know that there were specifically forensic ontologists, but they'd never presented that gentleman as a witness because the bite marks didn't match Gary's teeth. Lawyers argued at his clemency petition, we are not talking about questionable recanting witnesses who came forward long after trial, but hard physical innocence. And the Georgia Board of Pardons denied him anyway. Daggum, you GBI, screwing up investigations. It made me sad. That is so angering. Yeah, and just so sad. So I think that the that's a similar situation as to what happened at the end of Black Museum. Right. Then we get the joyous, it's awful Because her father is still dead, but we learn that Nish is the daughter of the convicted murderer who is actually innocent, and she gets her revenge. She does get her revenge. Oh, it's so delightful. And then there's a little twist with the brain passenger thing, and I'm going to leave that for everybody to watch because it's, it's worth watching the episode just to see her get her revenge. And It is so worth it. Yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. It's very interesting how these research companies 
Because mm-hmm. that's what it really was. Yeah. It wasn't a university so much as it was a company. Yeah, a company that was affiliated with the hospital, which seems so ooh, dirty so and squeaky to me. It's yes. so crimey because... Well, even if it's not inherently crimey, it's inherently dishonest. Well, it is. and But that's Definitely. the problem because it's, it's, it's illegal to be dishonest in research. Like, the standards for human research are so particular. The stuff you have to propose and get past the board to do research on humans and things. And so and there's really such an aspect. And it really seemed like this was post all of that. Well, that's what made me wonder, like... It seems like one of those apocalyptic futures where there's like some really cool tech stuff, but the rest of society has gone to crap. Yeah. So, and I wonder like how much of that was the downfall right there. There's no way that this company of research was doing things on the up and up. Oh, creating these things. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Oh, and it's so creepy. And it did seem like they made leaps really quickly because Rolo didn't look that much older as purveyor of the black museum than he did when he was working in the hospital environment no he didn't look that much older i mean he was older but Mm -hmm. not like not 40 years older no it seemed like the technology made some pretty quick strides well and technology does well exactly i mean look at look at our gentleman with the prosthetic arm and the natural arm just a Back to back. Yeah, a few years, short years mm-hmm. in between, and they've made huge strides. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. I mean, some of it's great, and some of it's just downright terrifying. It is so. terrifying. <laughs> like, I definitely need to make sure that I have a living will. Uh-huh. Because if I happen to go into a coma when you can uh, transfer consciousness, I want to make sure that I have say over whether or not my consciousness can be transferred. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, or give that power to somebody you trust. Yeah. To not well, not make a selfish decision. And that's what the husband did, though. He yeah. made a selfish decision. Well, yes. But, well, but he had input from his wife. She had she lit up the little green light. Yes, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to be, not be trapped in this body anymore. Fair. Doesn't you know? make it the right decision, though. No, it doesn't make it the right decision. It's selfish for them both. They were both selfish about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's really difficult. I mean... See, here's the thing. If she was transferred into a cute teddy bear from the beginning, she'd have been fine. Probably. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Aww. It's not I'm a phrase so... you hear yourself say often. <laughs> Transferred into, into a teddy, teddy bear. bear. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode, and I think that we, I don't have anything else to. No, it's add a or one. Say. Uh, it's one you got to ponder. But I'm definitely yeah. going to go binge this thing for sure. Oh yeah, you're yeah. going to be all black mirrored out. I think so. So you're going to come. Your eyes are going to be all dilated, and you have bags under yes. your eyes. You're going to be all like. Humanity is awful. (laughs) Because that's how you feel after two or three episodes. Humanity is the worst ever. We deserve to be exterminated from the face of the planet. We're terrible to one another. And all evidently we're only getting worse. (laughs) Because most of them take place in the future. It's true. However, I have to say, whenever somebody talks about how bad it is now, how where where we're going, I can't help but think, do we remember the Dark Ages? Medieval torture 
was an apex of cruelty. Yes. Horrible. And absolutely. so unless we're like drawing and quartering people, we're not there yet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're oh, just yeah, more creative they'd hang about them. it. They'd hang them for a while first. And then disembowel them uh, in oh. front of their eyes. Oh. oh, yeah. No, medieval torture. That's like a... It's horrible. Horrible. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I yeah. No. So we're not there. We're not there because not, that's not I'm like not a there. common staple of yes, our world right now. But you think that we're better than that? And then you watch things like Black Mirror and you're like, maybe we're not. We're not really any better than that. We're just more sophisticated about it and a little more maybe underhanded about it. Well, now that might be true. At least they were honest about what they're going to do. John and Cotton. Yeah. Yeah. You understand exactly what's going to happen to you. No, we're just going to psychologically torture you for the next few decades psychological warfare it's a thing it is a thing it's a scary awful thing so next time we're gonna play our final round of escape room oh i hope we get out i hope we get out too i'm gonna have to like see if i can figure out a way to give us a little don't wake up i'm not gonna cheat i'm just gonna see if i can think of ways to give us enough of head start to be able to to escape. I'd like to escape one of them. Didn't we try that last time? Because we opened all our clues at the beginning. Well, we're going to do that again. (laughs) Anyway, so again, now if you've listened to those in the past and found them challenging, I'm going to again do what I did with code names, which was give you all the funny bits and then we'll talk about it all at the end. Yeah, we'll kind of play it and review it for you. Yeah. And, and then you can kind of hear our little banter. And, yeah, yeah. During a little bit. Because we're funny. Yes, but you don't need to try to follow along of what we're doing. No. Because um, like we said last time, I'm here and it's hard, so I can't mm-hmm. imagine listening. Yeah. But, but you'll definitely want to hear our review of it. Yeah. And you'll definitely want to hear what we have to talk about during. Because yeah. um, Cause it's always fun. Yeah, it's killer fun. It's killer fun. <laughs> all right, thanks so much. See you next time. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, oh, oh. O'Reilly Auto Parts